Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast in Fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson. And our producer, William Jeffries. And today, we're going to say again, stop DDoSing yourself. Stop doing it. It's part five in the stop doing stuff series. Yeah, we got a series going on. It's just like <laughs> you start doing things and you stop doing things and you'll be a, you know, a good good developer engineer in your organization. <laughs> you need to stop DDoSing yourself. And today we'll be talking about what is DDoS, why are people DDoSing themselves, and how to prevent you from being DDoSed in the first place. DDoS is like a better version of the DOS operating system, right? Yeah. <laughs> Really? No, it's not. No, I, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> DOS was great. It's the reason. It's the reason why I got into computers. MS DOS awesome. CD dot dot CD dot dot slash dot dot. You got to do all sorts of things to navigate. Let's jump right to it. What is DDoS? I have a definition right here. Just to be oh, clear, please. does anyone want yeah. to share their definition of DDoS? Like what it means to me. What does DDoS mean to you, Dave? <laughs> like the thanksgiving holiday what does thanksgiving mean to me let's all go around a circle and share yeah i think it's well it stands for distributed denial of service yes yes that is correct so i think a regular denial of service attack is where you flood a server with so much traffic that it falls over and can't serve real customers or people who are actually supposed Mm -hmm. to be interacting with that server right but that's, that's like easy to deal with right like you just don't listen to that guy who's being really annoying. Ban him. Ban yeah. him. So then the, that's where the extra D comes in. You throw in that extra D yeah. when people are banning you. Right. And you get distributed denial of service where you have more than one person. Is it is that the right criteria where it's more than one? I think it has to be a lot. I think if like two people did it, people would be like, ah, this is regular. You, you just get the one D. You just, you just regular you DOS. This is not you a double D. You just DOS. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much what you mentioned. I think you definitely got the definition down to a T, William. Great job. Awesome. <laughs> this guy DDoSes. I don't know if you know. Yeah. I don't. I swear. It's very illegal. <laughs> well, I, I did see you the other day DDoSing, but like that was a different circumstance. He was like, I think you were you were doing it in a controlled fashion. For, <laughs> I was for DDoSing myself. Yeah. <laughs> it was on purpose. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some times that you want to put a lot of strain on your system and understand what the limits are through a load test, which uh, there are services that will help you like generate a lot of load on your server, flood.io or blaze meter, or they have like applications that are libraries that you can use locally, like a locust to like spawn up multiple processes and spam your servers. So you mentioned flood.io and BlazeMeter are different services that would help you DDoS. But as long as you're not doing it to another individual, I think it's okay. Is that correct? I don't want to give people commands to to go and do some illegal shit after they listen to the rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) You very much should only do this to your own websites. If you do it to somebody else's website, you're very mean. (laughs) I think you have to have like a token set up so that they can verify that. It is something that you own. Yeah, for like load.io or flood.io, any of the like paid services, they do check. They make sure that you have to confirm in some way that you are the owner of the website. Like put a C name or something like that Mm. on your DNS. Yeah, but that's that's like a great way to figure out like what the extent is, you know, as long as you're not doing it at the 4 a.m. when PagerDuty is active. 
Oh right. man, yeah, don't do it at 4 a.m. Then you effectively are DDoSing. Then you're DDoSing your fellow engineers. It's very mean. That's horrible. No fingers pointed. Yeah, and if you do it with bees with machine guns, you can spin up EC2 instances on AWS and point them at anything. And is, then wait, is that no a real thing? Check. That's literally the name of the library. Bees with machine guns. Bees with machine guns. <laughs> yeah. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> oh my god! I'm already scared of bees. So like, imagine if they don't harm them. Yeah, with machine guns. <laughs> so, uh, they would be very tiny machine guns. No, 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 no. I mean, hey, machine guns or machine guns. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know if they, have the, if they have the opposable thumbs for that. We don't know that. I don't want to find out. <laughs> it's like sharks with lasers attached. <laughs> sharks with lasers. We could get down to some of the examples, famous examples yeah. of DDoS attacks throughout famous. history. <laughs> and it's a story in history. It really is. I mean, a lot of us use GitHub. And I, I think that every time that the service is even momentarily impacted i am acutely aware of it and i'm sure you guys are aware of it too oh yeah you try to get push and it's just like longer than usual and you're like wait what's going on go to status.github.com and then everything is red (laughs) (laughs) that was terrifying that happened early in the year i think yeah 2018 yeah like around february end of february this year it was the largest ddos attack in history to the person if you're listening why would you do it to github what did github do to you it was SourceForge. <laughs> SourceForge <laughs> hating this is a oh. revenge oh man that was pretty catastrophic and in ways that slowed nearly everyone's productivity down if you were programming on that day you were not programming on it you had to stop yeah you had to stop programming on that day when you were trying to program on that day yeah it, it was a very good excuse to to screw around like, I, I literally cannot push any code right now. <laughs> yeah, but GitHub did a pretty good job of like doing an incident response and like being public about the analysis of the issue and what the steps they were taking now and in the future to respond to it. I think in the end, it was like pretty manual intervention that they had to do, but they outlined some uh, steps that they'd like to do in the future to improve. I think the pattern for that particular attack was a a memcached amplification attack, which Whoa, is what? <laughs> that's like a. Uh, that sounds very scary. Yeah, yeah. That that was a, a vocabulary word for me. I had to look that up. <laughs> is this North Korea's new secret weapon? <laughs> so basically, there was a vulnerability that was posted for memcached. Like I think in the week prior, by SourceForge <laughs> to this uh, attack, basically you could send spoofed request to a memcache server any memcache server with an ip that you wanted to attack and because udp isn't validated and it's super quick it's just like memcached is a really responsive service and can cache very large objects we just be like oh sure i got you shoot it right across <laughs> <laughs> no problem so it's like really one of the notes they had in this uh, document we can link to it is just that the size of the request versus the size of the response made it really profitable to just spam these servers that weren't even GitHubs to cause them trouble. Oh my god! So gosh. they were using potentially your memcached server 
to spam GitHub and you didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, this was a vulnerability that had to be addressed in a lot of cloud providers. So, you know, folks like DigitalOcean and AWS had to take measures to disable UDP and not expose Memcache to like the public. SourceForge, revenge. It must I, be. I blame them. <laughs> Let's start that rumor. <laughs> it started here. You've heard it here first, folks. The rumors are real. <laughs> Do you guys remember the uh, Dyne outage in 2016? No, nah, what is that? That was like right, maybe like a month after I started Stride. I was at my first client. And again, GitHub was down. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I would remember that. But I, it, <laughs> ha- it happens really. Oh, yeah, that happened. But what, what happened with Dyne exactly? Dyne, that was a, a botnet of Internet of Things devices oh man that's Whoa, hold so on, cool hold, hold on that's the, <laughs> all right so i you said internet of things and oh, botnet yeah. let's let's talk about those <laughs> real quick. Like so many let's, exciting let's, words yeah in let's these. destruct those so, so what's a botnet exactly so a botnet is a network of devices that you have captured in some way so if you're a hacker or a script kitty and you are able to penetrate X number of people's computers. Right. You know, you're hacking grandma, you're hacking whoever, and you install some some kind of software on there that allows you to take over that machine and use it to make requests. Right. Then you can add them to you know a list of all of the machines that you've hacked, and then you can send commands simultaneously to all of them to go and do something in unison. Yo. That's called a botnet. And so you can direct thousands of machines that you've hacked all over the world to go and send requests to just one server in in a DDoS attack. Right. And an IoT device is like a device that's connected to the internet, right? Internet of things. Yeah. Like my light bulbs. Right. And, the, and, the, and the fridge. <laughs> like, well, I've always got a fridge out there connected to the internet. Yeah. My, tooth, by my your own toothbrush fridge. too, you know. Like why? No, I don't have an internet connected toothbrush, but I have seen them. They do exist. <laughs> just stop owning internet connected devices. Right. You're, they're just going to be used to DDoS you. But I can turn off my light bulbs right now. <laughs> yeah, with the so simple cool. command. Yeah, with the simple command. I am part of the problem now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got a lot of those words out the way because I was kind of confused. The, what was the amplification of botnets and IOTs <laughs> and the and the likes? All right, so I, I heard something about another big attack, which was a pulse wave attack. Oh yeah, the pulse wave attack. That's a really cool one. So normally, if you do a botnet attack, it takes a while to spin up all of the all of the bots that you have acquired, all those like zombie machines that right. you control, and that slow ramp up time gives networks a chance to scale especially with features like auto scaling on aws or other providers and so with pulse wave attacks what they do is they'll pick several targets and then they'll alternate so when it's your turn to get ddosed the botnet is fully ramped up so you're not getting that like the laser beam as it's charging you're getting the laser beam when it's full force 100 percent Oh and then they'll, they'll rotate off of you. And so your your servers will calm down and be like, okay, phew, we're good. All right, let's t- let's take stock. What happened? And then bam, <laughs> hit, you, hit you again. The when you least ray. expect it. Jeez. Yeah, you know, I was 
looking at traffic using Charles proxy recently, and there are a ton of requests that are going out from my machine. I think this is actually pretty common and probably has to do with the fact that I have like approximately a thousand tabs open at once. But <laughs> if you look at Charles proxy, even when you're doing nothing, there's a there's a suspicious amount of traffic happening. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I closed, closed all my Chrome tabs just now and my battery shot up. <laughs> <laughs> we are the botnet. Exactly. I often use the Chrome, you right-click on a tab and you close all tabs to the right. That's, that's a good so, tactic. That's always been helpful. So helpful. How does an organization or a company accidentally DDoS themselves so we can tell them to stop? Well, I think if you push code that... It runs in the browser, and that code potentially makes an AJAX request, which is like kind of a thing that we all do all the time. All the time. You are at risk of accidentally DDoSing yourself because now you have code running on browsers all over the world for all of your users. So uh, if that's pointed at a service that you maintain and you're not expecting serious load from it, or if you don't have a good exponential backoff strategy or some kind of a backoff strategy, if that service starts to get under heavy load and back up, you can absolutely bring your own services down. So be careful what you actually deploy because it could very well be the end of your demise. <laughs> yeah, there was a really great episode of the Ruby Rogues where they interviewed one of the people from TrackJS and they talked about a really great example of this because they have code that tracks error messages in the browser for people with front-end apps. Okay. And so if you start catching a lot of errors and not batching them properly, you can do really, really serious traffic. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's an important service that a lot of people are relying on to like give them good information about what's going on. Yeah, it was a great episode. Cool. Yeah, I guess like another way people can DDoS themselves in like a, a a nice way sometimes is like if you have a small website and it's not properly set up and some large publication finds out about you like like reddit the reddit hug of death is real the reddit hug of death oh right. <laughs> such a nice way to put the fact that you and all of reddit brought down a website <laughs> yeah where it's all like legitimate traffic that's distributed the service is being denied but it's actually like it's traffic that you could have served happily <laughs> if you were just prepared for the moment. Right. I think before it was called the Reddit hug of death, it was called slash dotting or slash dot. Yeah, the slash dot effect. Yeah. <laughs> I learned about that when I was Googling the, the Reddit hug of death. <laughs> why do people do this? Why, why is this a thing? Why would you want to do this? Yeah, it sounds like kind of like a evil genius kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's like I, I think the bees with machine guns sound pretty appropriate. Yeah, that yeah, that sounds that just sounds terrifying. I mean, I read online part of the reason one of the reasons why you would want to do this is because I mean, we've all probably been on at some point in time on that side of a DDoS where the client that we're working on is getting DDoSed or what have you. And the entire engineering team could be so occupied on fixing it that who knows what kind of malware is being injected into JavaScript or something that can be overlooked because you're trying to mitigate this DDoS attack. Yeah, or you could be trying to make some money, get that paper. Oh, yeah. Get that Bitcoin, rather. Get that Bitcoin, rather. I mean, we can't talk about that right now. The, the prices are a little low, but I know that uh, it was oftentimes people would want to DDoS the cryptocurrency exchanges to get a cheaper price 
by just flooding the market with requests that were not like valid or not real. So like the bids would then go lower and lower. I think it happened in like summer of 2016 when like Ethereum went from $150 to like seven. And, and then right back up? And Whoa. then right back up. Yep. Oh. So you could have made a lot of money if you were at the right place at the right time there. Yeah, if you happen to make those bids. Of if like, you happen to know that that was about to happen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so make your bids, make them really low and hope one day that a crash comes so that you hopefully those bids are acknowledged and you make money. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea how that would work, but it has happened before in the past where DDoSing a crypto exchange caused fluctuations in the market. Yeah. Which is nuts. I, I was reading that like some people in you know less regulated places might grow a botnet and not use it. They would just have it, maintain it, and like feed it, know, water feed it, it, water it, water it, it. <laughs> and then like you know put it up for sale to the highest bidder. Like whoever wants to go for a ride on the botnet can oh you know point it at you know whoever they want to. Yeah, I think that's and it's probably really profitable. You could probably make a pretty penny doing that. Destroying websites. That's so mean. Yeah. It's probably easier to make money legitimately. <laughs> but, you know, that's life. Yeah. But so, like, what are what are some ways that you can mitigate DDoS? It seems like it's uh, such a, a bigger problem than any of us. Uh, you can use a CDN. That is a way to fight fire with fire, I guess. Like, if the attack is distributed, having a distributed solution would surely help you could drop packets from anybody who seems suspicious yeah that's true and i guess like if you're using a distributed solution like you know akami or cloudflare they're in a better position to identify is it patterns. akami or akamai i don't know i think it Is might be yeah it's uh, yeah. <laughs> akami akamai you know it yeah well anyway yeah like so those providers are in a better position to do that kind of analysis in a really broad way and figure out you know what the bad patterns are and who the bad actors might be than just your poor old engineering team but there are like on-prem solutions you can get like what hardware if you you have hardware but who has hardware now you can use hardware to prevent ddos yeah, you can filter requests as they're coming in. Oh, interesting. Through like a hardware device. But how do you know which ones are real customers? That's the crazy part. Yeah, that's the secret sauce, I guess. I think you'd have to identify like the IP, where it comes from. Have they have they visited other websites or if it's like a brand new botnet that's doing all sorts of things. I have no idea, to be honest. Does it look like a real browser? Do they have a user agent? Yeah. That might be, looking at some of that metadata might be helpful in identifying where this person, him or her, is currently doing this thing. Uh, just a fun fact, it is Akamai. And if you Google Akami and you're in Fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan, it leads you to a rest- Japanese restaurant. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm just really hungry for sushi right now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it was tickling my brain. I did remember, like, on-premises solution uh, that I came across called uh, Newstar. Ooh, what was that? And uh, they, they have, like, cloud-based and on-premises. Like, so they have a hardware thing and a software solution as well oh wow so yeah like there are things out there but easier to go with the service than try to solve the problem yourself when it's distributed we understand that there are bad actors out there in the world who want to bring down these websites if you're listening stop (laughs) 
<laughs> we have to do our best to prevent these uh, issues so that we can still provide the quality content that the organization wishes to provide. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.